Hello, and welcome to season two of Lineage Speaks, the podcast. This season, we are featuring the book Prosperity Codes, How to Attune to and Attract Wealth and Abundance. I'm your host, Martelena Donterpel, and today I'll be sharing my chapter, 10 Things to Do for a Happier Martelena Don. First, a little bit about me. I'm a master intuitive massage therapist, the owner and operator of Martelena's Massage in San Ramon, California, and an award-winning international best-selling author. I specialize in deep tissue and neuromuscular emotional release massage therapy. With my experience, knowledge, and intuition, I work one-on-one with my clients to bring relief from physical pain and release emotional trauma trapped in your tissues. I help ease my clients into a relationship with their bodies from one of pain to one of pleasure. I have joyously spent my time practicing massage since 1999. And I live in Livermore, California with my husband, our five boys, and our cat, Clover. Chapter nine. 10 Things to Do for a Happier Martelena Dawn. I live my days surrounded by males. The only thing close to female energy in our house, aside from my glorious self, comes from our kitty, Clover, and our turtle, Lamigra. There are seven penises with varying degrees of accuracy aiming at my toilet. I am a 44-year-old female head of a blended household full of five boys aged 7 to 15 years old. I'm not used to talking about prosperity and abundance. I am not accustomed to explaining what these concepts mean to me, or how, or if I even manifest them in my life. But I absolutely consider myself an expert on actually doing it. I have always been drawn to the energetic wavelengths or frequencies of prosperity long before I even knew such things existed. I remember thinking, very boldly for an 18-year-old, that I had tasted real happiness. And if I couldn't sustain a life filled with such happiness, then I wasn't interested, plain and simple. From my perspective, I was surrounded by adults who were unhappy and unfulfilled with their lives. And I was terrified of facing the same fate. As a baby adult, I didn't understand the complexities that arise the more rotations around the sun we gather under our belts. But I naively and bravely didn't care. The real happiness that I had tasted was my connection to the source, life energy, God, the multiverse. Whatever you call it, I had touched it and I wanted more. As we age, we realize life is not only lived in the high points though. The first time I became consciously aware of fighting my way through the heavy fog of depression was a few years before this revelation, when I was 16 years old. 
I was working at the local movie theater. And there was always downtime when the movies were playing and all the other tasks were complete. I remember standing behind the concession counter, wearing the ugly, itchy maroon vest, gazing out of the floor to ceiling windows over the rows and rows of cars in the parking lot, feeling as gray and hopeless as the scene that lay before me. Let's be proactive and make a list for happiness, I thought. I found a piece of paper and wrote across the top, 10 things to do for a happier Martelena Dawn. Started off with small achievable things like making and eating frozen grape juice or buying and drinking a big gulp of Pepsi. As a kid, I grew up on a farm in Colorado on 10 acres in the country in a house we built by ourselves while we lived there. We moved in when I was five years old and we had finished building the basement. We continued to build the top two floors over the next nine years while my brothers and I grew up. We grew and canned our own vegetables, raised chickens, ducks and turkeys for meat and eggs, and were allowed little in the way of processed sugar. As a teenager with the freedom a paycheck and a car gave me, I found soda and fell in love. What can I say? It was cheap, available, and would elevate my mood pretty quickly. Further down my happiness list, I started to imagine deeper steps I could take for a more lasting, grounded path to emotional stability, like spending more time with my friends or organizing my room, finally talking to Nick or kissing Sarah. The items on those first happiness lists were pretty childish. I was a child while writing them. The act of writing the list was my healer soul showing herself, and I am so grateful I embraced her at such a young age. The first things to do on my list helped me to embrace the power of baby steps, doing what you can handle, no matter how small, to begin to heal and head in the desired direction. This is ground zero, numero uno for me. The number one thing to do for a happier Martelena Dawn, take baby steps in the desired direction. This led me to my next right step. Celebrate your accomplishments, no matter how big or how small. My best friend, Rob Staggs and I, practiced this method of living in my early 20s. We ran around the world giving each other and ourselves all the acknowledgement and encouragement our little hearts desired. This was when I developed my deep foundation of self-love and self-forgiveness, the beginning of learning what true love meant. Meeting myself where I was, naked and unafraid of my darkest shadows, giving love to what I found when I shined a light there. Later in life, I would forget this, when I let others' opinions or expectations override my self-love. The foundation I built back then is always there for me to return to when I realize I have veered off my path. At times, I just had to dig a little deeper to find it. Many years later, I slipped into a postpartum depression 
after my second son was born. Burnt out from overgiving in my massage practice and deeply struggling in my relationship with my husband. My 10 things to do for a happier Martelina Dawn list looked quite different and was written with tears pouring down my face. There were many, many, many changes I needed to make. Motherhood had opened up a flood of insecurities and I had let them overtake me. I let fear over my boys' futures and insecurities about my ability to mother them drive a wedge between me and my intuition. What was going to save me and shift me back toward a vibration of prosperity was to learn to raise my standards and develop some boundaries. Shit. Even convincing myself that I deserved boundaries was a huge hurdle that took a crap ton of unlearning to clear. Much of my identity was based on the notion that strength comes from needing nothing and giving everything. This was the golden ideal in which to live. <sighs> Reading that now, half of me is laughing at the absurdity of that belief, but a part of me can still feel the pull of my ancestors silently but steadfastly standing behind that statement. I want to hug them and give them a massage so they can release that belief that struggling equals honor and righteousness. My paternal grandpa, Everett Hazen, used to say, if you can dance all night, you can get up and work in the morning. I love my grandpa so much and I embrace this polarity. Work hard, play hard. I would have loved to have taken the chance to teach him to add, rest hard. We need all three. I began to give myself bigger breaks at work, 30 minutes between clients instead of the industry standard of 15. I capped my work day at no more than five hours of massage per day. The funny thing I noticed, nobody batted an eyelash. There was no reason for me to have this open spigot of my time and energy indiscriminately spraying all over the world. When I adapted boundaries and put a nozzle on my precious energy, I found I had some to call on when I needed it. I began to love my work again. And as my energy reserves began to refill, my nervous system began to calm down and my postpartum depression subsided. I was more present with my babies and life in general became easier to live. I had learned to develop and institute healthy boundaries at work, but I was not able to figure out how to fix my marriage. After my marriage fell apart and I was living as a single mother, I fell into a long period of scarcity. I didn't see the connection to how my behavior was leading me to this state. I saw myself as being protective, proactive, looking out for the future and planning ahead for every scenario I could imagine while tossing and turning in my bed every night, scanning the free lists, pinching my pennies, reusing, repurposing, couponing, saving for a rainy day, holding tightly, saying no, 
building fear, not realizing it, but steadily becoming very afraid. I thought I was temporarily surviving, but I ended up slipping into a survival frequency that I lived in for way too long. My bank account began to shrink and it wasn't filling back up. When you're in survival mode, a lot of compromises are made. Compromises to health, time, energy, dreams for the future, and peace in the present. The tighter I held on to the fear and the less I gave to myself, my boys and those around me, the less and less I received. Even as I rebuilt the pieces of my life, a place to live, a new job, a car, I was unable to return to a state of abundance. I was unable to feel my connection to the source. My nervous system was shot. I was so mad at myself. What I saw as the mistakes I had made were so gross, so embarrassing, so hard to look at and accept, much less love and forgive myself for. So I didn't. Of course, I couldn't accept the responsibility for any of that consciously. So I started blaming everyone else for anything and everything that caused me a mild inconvenience or legitimate hardship. My ex is a narcissistic, abusive manipulator. So co-parenting is off the table and trying to implement consistent, healthy parenting is hard all the time. My partner's ex doesn't like or acknowledge me. So parenting my stepboys is impossible. I can't be the mom I want to be to my boys or my partner's boys because of all the outside forces. My partner is working on himself. How dare he? How dare he prioritize himself? Can't he see how hard and fucked up life is? Why isn't he trying to help me heal? I looked at the world and all I saw was an endless list of what I needed and wanted so desperately. And it all felt incredibly and inexplicably out of my reach. And I, then I looked down at my hands. They were clenched so tightly. I realized they had been for quite some time. How could I expect to receive anything with my hands clenched so tightly? Slowly, I opened them up and the fog began to lift. How could I be mad at my partner for trying to heal his wounds when that was what I so desperately wanted to do? Why was I allowing my ex 
or my partner's ex to have any power over my relationships with our sons or the experiences we had together in our household. What made me think I could blame anyone for how I was showing up as a mom or a stepmom? How did it become acceptable to blame my husband or anyone else for my refusal to heal myself? I was ready to look at what was lurking in those dark shadows I had been hiding from and refusing to shine a light on. Deep breath. Here I go. I had to face the fact that at 25, I was so scared of creating a life of my own that I married a man for stability, not love. <laughs> I loved him as well, of course, I did. But stability was the motivating factor and it planted a seed of distrust that we were never able to weed out. It brought out the worst in both of us. When I did this, I gave up control of my decisions. This led me to doubt myself to the core. I had given up my power, which caused me to hide my true self from the world, which rendered me unable to experience moments of real connection with anyone, which left me unable to form deep friendships, which left me terribly isolated and alone for far too many years, which left me incredibly susceptible to psychic attacks and manipulation. If you give a woman a crumb of self-doubt, am I right? The first time I woke up and began to look at this desolate existence I had made for myself, 10 years had passed. As I looked across the vast distance I needed to travel to get from where I was to where I wanted to be, I defensively closed my eyes and went back to sleep. But now I was ready. I was ready to take the baby's steps to begin, to head in the desired direction. It was time to make another list. This list would be a distillation of all the codes for prosperity that my list for happiness over the years had taught me. Number one create baby steps to gently begin to head in the desired direction. Number two, celebrate your accomplishments, no matter how big or small. Progress is beautiful. Number three, love yourself, all of yourself. Do it, do it now. Number four, forgive yourself. No matter what you did or allowed to be done or for how long it lasted, forgive yourself. You are the only one who can. Number five, normalize resting hard as part of the work hard, play hard paradigm. Number six, Everyone deserves to develop and hold boundaries and standards in their personal and professional relationships. Everyone, even 
you. Number seven, the world will rise to meet your standards. It is ultimately only you who has the control to limit your experiences. Number eight, recognize and enjoy the seasons of your life. They are all delicious. We are meant to experience them all. Number nine, you cannot receive anything if your hands are closed tight. Impoverished thinking only brings scarcity. You are only limited in what you receive by what you are willing to accept. Number 10, live in the moment. This is really the rug that ties the whole room together. This is most deliciously experienced by me when I surrender to the present with my boys. I split custody with their father 50-50. So they live with each of us 50% of the time. When they are with me and they ask for my attention, I give it to them. I don't ask for them to wait. They really only want a moment of my time and attention, and then they move on. If I'm busy, I'll explain what I'm doing and invite them to join me while we talk. We still have an hour of story time every night before school, which usually turns into stories about their days. If they want to share a YouTube video or a meme with me, I give them my full undivided attention and presence. This is in no way easy, and I don't always fulfill it. But it's important to me to respect their feelings and experiences while guiding them with love. I give our boys the same gifts I give myself, unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness. They can trust me to never give up on them or let them give up on themselves. It took about four years of offering this as consistently as I could to earn the trust of my bonus sons. When I want any of our boys to do something they don't wanna do, like clean their room, exercise, or eat broccoli, there's a base of mutual respect and love running with an undercurrent of encouragement and understanding behind the request and their response. They know that I love them and want them to be healthy, even if it tastes icky or feels uncomfortable in the moment. Recreating the 10 things to do for a happier Martelena Dawn list whenever I need to keeps my heart, my intentions, and my energetic frequencies attuned to health, wealth, prosperity, and abundance. My picture of prosperity may not be everyone's shade of lipstick, but that's not the point, is it? Like much in life, my manifestation of prosperity has been and continues to be uniquely created and crafted by me. Tailored to how I experience beauty, fulfillment, joy, wealth, abundance, and my expressions of love. The universality of my story comes from the codes I've developed to unlock my path to prosperity. Codes that may sound childish at first, 
but applied when needed, become the fibers in the beautiful tapestry of a prosperous life. Codes that I can and have used to put back the pieces of my soul when I allowed the outside world to invade and degrade my power and I had trouble finding my inner light. These codes, creating my lists and fulfilling them, have gently brought me back to my light and to a harmonious frequency of prosperity and abundance time and time again. I encourage you, dear reader, to develop your own list for a happier you. I wonder where playing with and prioritizing your happiness possibilities will lead you. Thank you for listening. Prosperity Codes is available on Amazon.com and all proceeds go to elamugirls.com, a nonprofit helping women in Kenya escape poverty, sex tourism, and genital mutilation by teaching them to sew and giving them a choice, a voice, and a bank account. Please subscribe, rate, and review us if our stories help you on your journey. Follow us on Instagram at Lineage Speaks the Podcast. Until the next episode, honor the light within you and let it guide your way on.